Welcome back to Keeping Tabs. I'm Tabitha Crock, and let's first thank our sponsor, 32 Below, Froyo and More. They are officially open here in Coeur d'Alene, Idaho. They have frozen yogurt, they have small bites, adult beverages, and much more. So make sure you follow them on all their social media platforms to keep up to date on everything happening. All right, I interview Lee Cockrell today, and he is amazing. We talk about leadership, we talk about family, we talk about COVID, so enjoy. Good morning, and I have Lee Cockerell with me today. Um, I feel super honored that he agreed to come on here. He has um, experience with leadership. Um, I'll let him go into his background of what he used to do and what he does now. So Lee, thank you so much. Yeah, it's great to be with. Thank you. I love your place out there, Coeur d'Alene. We went there once and it's amazing. Yeah, come I'm back. I'm afraid to you're going to have may, millions of people are going to move there once they find out about it. But, I you know. know. I know. So anyway, yeah, well, I uh, was in the hotel and entertainment business for 42 some years. I grew up in Oklahoma. I tell everybody I grew up on a little farm. We didn't even have indoor plumbing. My grandkids don't believe me, but it's true. And uh, my brother and I didn't know there was any problem with that. <laughs> Kids kind of just go with what's going on. And uh, so uh, I, uh, my mother was kind of busy. She was married five times and I was adopted twice. I got my name Cockrell by husband number four. So uh, I got to go to college because he was a doctor and had money. But I went to Oklahoma State University for two years and uh, for, forgot to go to class. So I had a good time, but left after two years and went in the army and uh, started in the army. I met a fellow there. We, he asked me if I wanted to go to Washington DC with him after we got out of the army. And I said, sure. And we got jobs at the Washington Hilton up on Connecticut Avenue. That's where president Reagan got shot back in the eighties when he was coming out of the hotel. And I got a job as a waiter there and it was great. And I was 20 years old and, uh, I got into a management training program about a year and a half later, and my career kind of took off there. I worked for Hilton eight years in uh, Washington, Chicago, New York at the Waldorf Astoria, Los Angeles. Uh, then I left and joined Marriott uh, for 17 years. I became the vice president of food and beverage there because I focused on, which I tell all my listeners, I say, focus on something, become an expert in something, you'll always get a job. So I can either be a waiter or I can be in charge of a restaurant. So I know the food business. And um, so uh, did that for 17 years and then I got recruited by Disney and, uh, and uh, go to France and open Disneyland Paris. And my wife made me go because she wanted to live in Paris. So we went and stayed there three years. Got a French daughter-in-law out of it. Our grant, our son, after he graduated from Boston University, came over and got an hourly job parking cars and uh, met Valerie. And that was 25 years ago. So uh, today we have three grandkids that are about to turn 25, 22, and 19. And uh, we live in Orlando and we're staying in the house right now because I said, we're in the kill zone. We're too old to be going associating with people. <laughs> so, yeah, that's, I mean, it's, it's nice to stay inside for all of that reason. So, um, so I have time to do things like this and I'm happy to do it because, you know, at the end of the day, it's nice to talk to people. Yeah. You don't want to be, you don't want to stay isolated. That's one of the problems. I think a lot of people living alone right now are really suffering and, uh, and uh, that's, that's a problem. So 
Good yeah. to talk to you. <laughs> that's a great point. Um, I think that's why I started this podcast. I started it um, when I had actually Jeff Conroy um, inspired me. He started doing these interviews online and I said, I want to do what Jeff's doing. So I interviewed him <laughs> and I started doing all these and I was like, I can turn this into a podcast. And that's exactly what I did. I didn't know how much I was going to love it. Yeah, you learn a lot. You meet a lot of nice people and uh, you can offer uh, solutions for them and you can learn solutions by talking to them. So uh, it's it's pretty productive. And I think people get used to it. And, and uh, I've even done some of my conferences that got canceled online and they, uh, the clients were happy. They said it came off fine. They had a big screen and people were in the audience and it was almost like you're there. And uh, we had Q&A and and uh, whatever they wanted so i think uh, like everything things change and people get used to it <laughs> you do what you got to do yeah so, so it's fun how, what were you like as a kid well i uh, lived on this farm i knew nothing uh, i went to a one-room schoolhouse in first second grade the first eight grades were in one room out in the country and uh, you know, it was just like, I, it was It was just all fun. We lived on this farm. My brother and I used to disappear for the whole day when we were little, and my mother didn't even care. <laughs> we were out there in the woods, and we were out in the farm, and uh, we worked on our grandfather's farm and rode on the back of the baler, baling hay, and we thought it was great. <laughs> so my mother hated it. She told us <laughs> later, but when you're kids, and we had a dog, so what, what more do you want in life, you know? Oh, yeah. So we just played and uh, we were outside most of the time because we didn't have air conditioning. So there was no reason to be in the house. And uh, we didn't get a TV till I was in the fifth grade. So you can imagine, we listened to the radio at night. I tell my grandkids these stories, they think I'm lying. (laughs) No, it's true. It's really true. I know my grandparents, I give them a hard time. I'm like, let me guess, you walked uphill both ways in the snow. (laughs) Yeah, we didn't walk uphill. We walked on flat ground. So. But it was, uh, it, I have no bad memories of my childhood, even though my mother was kind of a mess sometimes, but uh, I never really realized it, you know, and my grandmother was in my life, which was, she was about the nicest person I've ever known, and she was my big encourager, which I think a lot of grandparents these days are kind of stepping in for the parents that are having issues, and uh so uh, nobody, you know, I always tell people, people don't listen to their teachers or their parents, but everybody listens to their grandparents. <laughs> oh, that is such a great point. We know a lot because we're old. <laughs> We've been there. You don't make my grandparents mad. Like everyone, yeah. And they're the best people because they spoil you and they just, they're the best. There's nothing better than a grandparent. Yeah. My grandkids taught me how to put Venmo on my phone so I can send them cash. <laughs> so they, they, they like me better than their parents. So smart. <laughs> yeah. Call me if you got a problem. I'll take care of it. Yeah. I love it. So let's talk about Walt Disney and your experience there and um, how amazing, yeah. how amazing to work for them. It was. I, uh, you know, Marriott was a great company too. And I, I joined Marriott when they had 32 hotels. Wow. Can you wow. imagine 1973 and today they have 7,000. It's not a good time to be in the hotel business because they're all closed, but uh, it was great. Uh, I learned a lot. They really teach you management skills there, how to uh, manage your P&L expenses, keep an eye on payroll and other costs. Uh, they're a very systematic company. You know, there's a system for everything. There's 
I always said, there's a Marriott way and you better do it that way because uh, it works. Yeah. Uh, they use recipe cards and they have checklists and uh, if you're not nice to the guest, you won't be working there long. So, uh, and the Marriott family were huge role models for being available, coming around, walking with you, teaching you. I mean, and uh, so that was a great experience. And then Disney was too. I mean, the whole difference at Disney is that entertainment side, which I didn't really know about. And uh, it's just amazing. Everything at Disney is around entertainment. I mean, it's like details matter. Everything matters. You know, everything's got to be in the right place, the right script, the right smell, the right lighting, the right music. And that was a big eye opener for me uh, as understanding that Marriott was great and Disney was greater. <laughs> so I used to tell my friends, I said, remember, I used to tell my Marriott friends, remember your parents don't tell you when you grow up, they'll take you to Marriott. <laughs> they tell you to take it that used to annoy them. So I didn't do that too. <laughs> well, and I love that. And, you know, switching over to like your books, I think there's, a, I've read some of your stuff. I watched some of your podcasts. Um, and the stuff that you're writing about is like back to your experience in hotels and at Walt Disney and customer service and how important it is. Um, right. you're listening to this, go follow him on LinkedIn. His, you know, Lee is putting out content, content that's, it's so valuable that stuff that you're putting <laughs> out. And I think it's, it's stuff that people are kind of losing, whether you're in hotels, whether you're in restaurants, whether you're in like sales or whatever it is, the smallest details that you yeah. really talk about. And they may never have known it. You know, a lot of people lost out about, you know, I, unfortunately, I think a lot of parents didn't teach some things they might, should have. And uh, then, you know, technology came along and everybody got so focused on, we kind of forgot about the guests and the customer sometimes that Walt Disney said it best. He said, don't ever get bored with the basics. He said, keep it friendly and keep it clean and everything will be good even after I'm gone. And you think about that, keep it clean and friendly. And today, cleanliness and sanitation and safety are everything. Everybody's worried about that every second. And friendly, be nice to people. You know? That's it. Like, that's the key to everything right there. <laughs> I mean, it is. Uh, and uh, somehow, well, I think some people get into business and get too ambitious. Forget what their mother taught them. And uh, I tell people, Anytime you're confused about what to do, call your mom. She'll probably tell you how to do it, right? <laughs> That's true. Or your grandma. <laughs> or your grandmother. They, they, they don't uh, play around. They just tell you the facts. So. Oh, and now you're writing books about all of this experience. And how many books yeah. have you written now? I've written four books. And uh, uh, one's on leadership, one's on management, one's on customer service, and one's on how to keep your career under control. Mm -hmm. Because... You're going to have obstacles in your life and a lot of people don't realize that and then they come and they fall apart and that's just a part of the game uh, you just roll on through them because your best days are usually ahead of you and uh, and really people need that re that uh, that ability to just uh, you know it could be your fault you have an obstacle and it might not be your fault but you got to keep going and you and so I wrote that book for young people to understand you're going to have a bad boss. You're going to have a bad job. You're going to hate the city you moved to. Your wife's going to leave you. <laughs> you, know, you. Who knows what's going to happen, but it's not a matter. Yeah, it will happen <laughs> something. And you got to just uh, not get defensive about it. You got to say, okay, what happened here? And now what am I going to do next? And 
I made a lot of mistakes in my career, but I didn't make them twice. <laughs> you know? that, and, uh, that's key right there. Well, learning builds on itself. You know, that's what why you want a lot of education, experience, and exposure. Because experience and exposure probably educates you more than college. Uh, when you think about it, the experiences you've had, the exposure you've had to other people, other races, other color, sexual orientation. This is a makes you who you are is exposure and experience. You know, half the stuff you learn in college three years later is not even relevant anymore. It's changing so fast. And uh, so, uh, yeah, that's what I write about is uh, reality, not theory. <laughs> I love that. I love that. So um, what, what got you? Okay. So you talked about this. I think I was listening to your podcast about if there's someone out there that's wanting to write a book, I think it's really great how you, how you write your books and how you like kind of, how you, the process of writing your books? Yeah, well, I when I, somebody told me, uh, a literary agent who's a friend of the family, um, went to college with my wife. Uh, she read some of my stuff, said, you should write a book. I said, I don't know how to write a book, and I don't wouldn't know how to get it published. And she said, don't worry. Uh, I'd written a lot of things, and I had what I thought was a manuscript about, and I'd always wanted to write things because at some point I thought, well, I must know something. I've worked for these three great companies. I've had great jobs. Uh, so, but you know, uh, lack of self-confidence sometimes you just don't do what you think you ought to do and you, whatever it is, writing a book's one of those. And, uh, so I did. And, uh, she got me connected with a professional writer who cleaned it up and put the commas in the right place. I said, I didn't do so well in English in high school. So I still don't know about semicolons and colons <laughs> and all that stuff. I've never used those, but, uh, we got it done and it really, it's in 22 languages now, Creating Magic. It's all over the world. It's coming out in Chinese. All four books are coming out right now, one at a time. Uh, it's everywhere. And uh, that was amazing. And uh, the customer rules was the second one on customer service. And it's in about 15 languages now. And people are using it all over the world. And it's become textbooks for colleges and universities. That's cool. We developed a teacher's guide for creating magic and sent it to 1,200 professors. So they're picking it up and teaching it. And uh, who knew? I could barely read a book now and I can write four books. So I say, don't underestimate what you can do. So what I do is I kind of think about what do I want to say? What do I want to tell you? That I kind of try to think of the title of whatever number of chapters, 10 chapters, and then I work on them, fill them in. I write every morning when I'm writing a book from 8.30 to 10.30. Uh, it's in my calendar. I go to Starbucks back then, and I come home. 8.30 is scheduled. I start writing. Sometimes I'll finish before 10.30 because I get brain dead and can't think of anything. And uh, just do it seven days a week. And when you're, when you got that kind of discipline, you uh, get done. And uh, the biggest problem with authors today is they get their advance fee from the publisher, and they're not finishing the books. They don't have the discipline to finish. You, you have about a year to do it. And uh, that's one of my strong points, I, discipline. Uh, I'm able to schedule things and stay on them whether I like it or not. And because uh, I found out if you don't push through the hard things, life gets, gets worse. You don't finish the book, they want their money back. And there's a lot of lawsuits going on there because authors are not finishing them. And uh, so, uh, yeah, so that's what I do. And I use Google to look for more information when I'm on a subject and just, you know, I just 
knock it out, and then I get a professional guy to look at it. And uh, you know, I, I I was told by Phil Goldberg uh, that who I worked with on this, he said, Lee, you got to write differently than you speak because you're not there to correct people or to clarify. Right. And yeah. so he really helped me do that. Uh, uh, you know, okay. What does this mean, Lee? If you were in front of me, we could talk about it and you could explain it, but it's got to be clear. You know, exactly. the reader's got to be clear. And uh, you can't have this like, what's he talking about <laughs> in the book, you know? So that's how I do it. And it worked pretty well. And uh, yeah, I got four done. And I have a textbook also from State University of New York on, uh, I wrote with a professor there. It's a business 101 finance course teaching young people kind of the basics of finance, even if they're not going to be in finance, at least the terms, how it works, appreciation, uh, uh, capital, or, you know, things like that. And because a lot of young people don't really understand the kind of the basics of finance, which is today a big deal. And just about every company is running by some fi finance guy right now. Exactly. And uh, so uh, I just had a little, I try to put a process together and a system for whatever I'm working on. Because I really believe in routine. If you have a routine, you'll get the right things done the right days. And it's That's like true. routines of routines your friend. It really is. Like I run a lot. And if I don't put it in my schedule, I right. day happens and I'm like, I didn't get that running. I kind of scheduled meetings and things happen. But if I, I these are the goals I have, I need to make sure that I'm hitting these. So routine is everything. And I make sure I, I'm the same way. I like put in my calendar, like when I'm going to be doing stuff and like hold myself yeah. accountable to it. But it's hard sometimes. It is. Priscilla and I do, uh, we have a trainer we've had for years and we do strength training, agility and balance training twice a week. And we do it online now because of this pandemic, but it's scheduled and we're there and boy, there's someone who's hey, we don't want to do this, but it's scheduled, <laughs> you know, or the guy says, let's do it earlier tomorrow morning. We're going, Oh no, but <laughs> we don't miss any sessions and we're both in great shape. And the reason we're doing it is bone density. We don't want to fall and break a hip as we get older. You know, that's the beginning of the end. You talk about having discipline. It can save your life. Exactly. And uh, a lot of people don't like to, do the hard things and therefore they pay for it later you know i mean yeah who likes to exercise nobody because the couch usually wins so unless you have it scheduled and you got and do you have a you got to kind of have some discipline in your life to do the hard things because and yeah and accountability like it is nice if you don't if you don't have that drive to get up and work out having your wife do it with you or a trainer saying, Hey, you have to be there at 8 AM. Like you're paying for this. So it makes you accountable. I think it's, that's helpful as well. And you always feel better afterwards anyway. You're like, I'm so glad I did that. And that's, with anything. <laughs> like, that's even like a hard conversation you have with like a, a staff member, or if there's a hard conversation you have to have with someone you love or, you know, anything in life, if you do it afterwards, you're like, gosh, it was a lot easier than I expected. Well, I tell people, if you can't have hard conversations and, make hard decisions don't ever have children because this is the beginning of the end <laughs> and don't become a leader because that's basically all you do <laughs> it's never the product that it's always people that are the problem so uh, don't get confused <laughs> it's people it's, no. <laughs> so what is um one life lesson that you've learned like the hard way uh i think i've learned that there's two things you need in life and i've had discipline, but I didn't have a system. And uh, I needed more empathy. Uh, I was a tough 
Taskmaster when I started out as a manager because I was uh, insecure for the way I grew up and I didn't have a college degree. And so when I got a little power, I probably abused it. And uh, I went, I did that for a long time until I probably 15, 20 years, 15 years probably into my career, I really realized that um, my mother and grandmother would kick my butt being a jerk. And I slowly but surely got more confident because I kept getting promoted. And as my confidence grew, I trusted people more and I gave up that control, you know. I still try to control my wife, but she won't let me. Yeah, that, so, yeah that's a losing battle. You should know that. Not, and there's no upside, by the way. <laughs> no. <laughs> so that was the one, is learning to not be so insecure and uh, not trust, every, you know, I didn't trust anybody, <laughs> frankly. I was like, no. <laughs> because I'd had some of those kind of disappointments along the way. And uh, so that's it. I think empathy and discipline, if you got those two, it gives you good balance. Yeah, empathy, cool. That's what mothers do. They have They love you and they'll kick your butt. Uh, you know, <laughs> if you can do those two things, you'll probably be pretty successful. I think you just got a new book idea right there. It could be. I said, you know, if you don't have empathy, people think you're a jerk. And if you don't have discipline, people think you're kind of useless. You don't ever do anything you say you're going to do. And so uh, I think about those two a lot and, uh, and, and empathy, not meaning be soft on people or to feel sorry for them. It's to list, try to understand who they are, where they're coming from. Exactly. You know, do they understand me? Am I being clear? Uh, you know, empathy for a single mom or a, a young kid who's just out of college or an older person who's been with the company. Those are all a little different and you've got to kind of hold it. And you can't judge everybody the same because they're not the same oh gosh yeah that, i when i was a manager i managed i worked for boys and girls clubs and oh. so managing staff and kids and people uh you definitely learn uh you have to learn different personalities and love languages and what makes what makes people like get excited to come to work and it's a lot <laughs> and you don't know how screwed up people are. we all put on a good face you know, we all say everything's great. That's kind of the biggest lie in America. That's, everybody's got, I tell people, everybody's got 10 problems you don't know about and you try, need to try to help with that and I, help, I, th help them be more confident. Right, and I heard someone say that the other day, like, it's okay to also say you're not okay. Just instead of people like, said it, yeah. I'm great. It's okay to say, actually, I've had a really rough day and people are like, okay, let me try to make it better. Like, bring some kind of joy into your life. Well, I went through anxiety and depression for a couple of years when my wife almost died a few years ago. And let me tell you what, I didn't think I had the possibility to be depressed. I thought that's not me. I'm tough. I can do it. I've done more stuff. Boy, it hit me upside the head and I had to get see a psychiatrist, get on medication. I mean, and uh, yeah, you're living that insecurity came back of my wife being what's going to happen. I mean, you know, and uh, I've done a couple of podcasts about it because, and when I did those, I got, I got, I heard from people all over the world that are, they said, thanks for talking about that. I can't believe, I wish my boss would be more open-minded that I suffer from it. My wife suffers from it. My father is suffering from it. And uh, there's nothing better to treat it than to talk about it and uh, not try to live in your own little cocoon of telling everybody you're great when you're not and uh, we got to pay more attention as parents and leaders to the kids and to others around us because 
if you don't pay attention, you won't notice it because um, people know how to put it on the good face. And uh, you got to really pay attention to those little things of the little difference. And when they get quiet and they don't respond, don't call you back, don't want to spend time. I mean, there's, there's signals if we're paying attention. And uh, I've learned to do that much better now. Uh, it's nothing like going through it. <laughs> you know? yeah, that one... I've become an expert in it now. <laughs> That's so true. I mean, we, I've lost people, you know, to mental illness and it's the, like the quiet killer that no one talks about because they're uncomfortable to talk about it and, you know, going down that, or they're afraid, they're afraid that like, I don't know, some people don't think it's real. And so it's really hard. And I, I, I totally am glad that you do talk about that. That's good that you share your story. Hopefully it's impacting others. And, um, well, you know, most women will go for help. Men are the problem. They don't go for help. They try to drink too much or naps or sleep or abuse or God no, divorce. And, but my psychiatrist said, Lee, I'm glad you came in. We can treat this. And he did, and he did a good job and I got through it. And, uh, but he said, men just don't come in. Uh, and we see that in the military. We see, you know, we're all us guys, you know, we can handle it. <laughs> Not. <laughs> oh, it's fine. Let me suppress all this. Uh, oh yeah. We're tough, you know. <laughs> <laughs> but uh yeah those are things that as a leader and a parent you got to pay attention to uh, what's going on around you not just you <laughs> it's like uh it's yeah great point um so if you this is a couple of fun questions first what is um i guess if we're in florida usually if i ask someone around Coeur d'Alene but what are your go-to restaurants or favorite food or do you have a restaurant you've traveled and you just love yeah, we have uh, some in Orlando. Unfortunately, one, our favorite restaurant closed, didn't make it through this pandemic. It's called Urbane 40. It was fabulous. Um, uh, and frankly, for the last five months, we haven't been to a restaurant. We, I care, pick up. I'm going today after I finish talking to you to get some more great clam chowder at a seafood uh, wholesaler downtown. Yeah. I got one cup yesterday and brought it home and Priscilla liked it. So she's sending me back on the road. And, uh, but uh, there's a lot of great, re every restaurant that's ever been is in Orlando. Now, they're all tested here because guests are from all over the world. You can, I mean, we got any cuisine you want to talk about. So it just depends what you're in the mood for. We like Indian food. We like, uh, yeah, uh, Thai food. We like, uh, you know, everything. And we have a lot of them and they're all here. I don't think there's one cuisine you can't find in Orlando. <laughs> but maybe you won't be able to after this pandemic's over because this is a mess. It's so hard. I know our little town, I just saw a couple places in Spokane, Washington and Coeur d'Alene, just some people that put their signs up that says we just couldn't make it through this. And it was just, it's heartbreaking. Like it is so heartbreaking. These people have worked so hard in their small businesses and then, you know, they can't be closed that long and then rent happens and they're not making any money and they're losing all their employees. It's just rough. And this hit us out. Nobody thought about this kind of thing happening. I mean, duh. I mean, it's like, what? Yeah. What happened? <laughs> and uh, it just shows you a uh, crisis can come out of anywhere in your life. And uh, so I feel bad. You know, there's 10,000 people still furloughed at Disney World. Oh. And uh, a lot of them will probably never come back because the business is not coming. Now, Florida is not handling this pandemic very well. So now we get, we're in the news every day. We got more cases than anybody in the world. So now people are canceling their reservations and not coming. 
Yeah. I mean, it's one thing after another. And uh, so, uh, yeah. Uh, remember the old days, they said, make sure you save at least six months salary in case of an emergency. Well, nobody does that, probably. Very few. And then uh, for a lot of people, even six months was not going to work. So God knows what's going to happen. So here's another fun question. Um, if you could have a billboard, you have a billboard of yours, what would you put on it? Or what would it say? Um, and you could put anything you want on it. Well, people ask me what I want to be remembered for. And I said, I don't want to be remembered as a boss. And it really has, there's no upside to that either. I want to be remembered as a teacher uh, because I really have a passion for that. There's nothing makes me happier than when I teach somebody or a course. I have a new program out, Cockerell Academy, came out two days ago, and it's seven, six courses, three more on the way. And uh, I, I teach them online. And um, when I hear back from people over the years, I want to tell you what that course you taught me in time management. I'll tell you where I am today. I'm still using my day planner that you gave us. Uh, or somebody calls said that course or listening to your podcast changed my direction of my life. I never thought of those things. That is about the best. I mean, what feels better than some appreciation? <laughs> I mean, it's unbelievable. Uh, yeah, because I want to be loved, you know, and people clap when I teach, so they don't clap when I pay golf, so I just <laughs> teach and they clap, and <laughs> I really need uh, positive feedback since I'm still insecure, kind of, and I, I cover it up pretty well, but I'm, it's still there. Yeah, yeah, we all, we all, like, I think, I think a lot of people deal with insecurities, no matter what level you're at or what, how you grew, grew up, it's, you know, we all deal with it in some way. Well, the billboard might say, learn it, then do it, then teach it. Oh, that's you a know? good one. I like that. That's kind of what mothers do. You know, they learn it, they do it, they teach it. I love it. And uh, those three things, if you're not teaching it, somebody said there's only way you can leave a legacy or three ways. You can plant a tree, you can have a baby, or you can write a book. And when you, you know, writing a book, you're teaching and you're really putting it out there. So I think about that a lot. what kind of legacy. It's the only thing you can take with you and leave behind, by the way, is your legacy. Nothing else. Uh, and uh, yeah, so uh, it's fun to think about those things. You actually think about those more as you get older, actually. <laughs> you may not be thinking about that yet. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, you've already got me. I've got to think about having these kids now because I was like, oh, man. <laughs> Well, they say you're not dead until everybody who knew you is dead. So um, I try to meet a lot of babies every day. So <laughs> I can extend my reach. <laughs> so who's your um, biggest inspiration or hero? Oh, I'd say early on, my mother and grandmother. My mother was a disciplinarian. She was tough, even though she was struggling with her own life because she grew up in a dysfunctional, but she always took good care of us. And uh, she was uh, highly organized. And you talk about discipline. I said she was a terrorist before they had them in the world. Boy, she, my <laughs> brother's an orthopedic surgeon. I ended up running Disney World, you know. I mean, and we were the first two to go to college at all. And uh, she really made that all happen. And uh, my grandmother was the nicest person I ever knew. She was the person who everybody loves. She was always, not, I never heard her say one bad word about anybody. The only thing I didn't like uh, about her, she made me watch, uh, what's that? Uh, 
guy, the orchestra leader back in the 50s. Oh. Um, <laughs> one of them, I forget which one. She turned that on every, I think it was Sunday nights. And uh, yeah, so, <laughs> but she was terrific. And she probably was responsible for giving me that empathy piece too, that uh, it was down there. I just forgot about it for a few years. Yeah, we all go through those moments in our lives where we forget about some of the most basic yeah. things. Yeah, so those people. And then I had a couple of, during my career that stepped up and took care of me and taught me and, and frankly disciplined me about my own defensiveness. Yeah. I had a boss who said, Lee, let's, I want you to remember the world does not revolve around Lee Cockerell. <laughs> Quit getting so defensive about everything. And I said, wow, yeah, because I would, I, I didn't take personal, I, it was never my fault, you know, and uh, he said, you know, people won't work with you if you don't remember, I know that now, nobody likes to work with people, it's never their fault, it's always somebody else's fault, and uh, he, he cracked that out of me, and uh, thank God. I think a lot. So you're lucky if you get, you're lucky if you have somebody that takes your, helps you. In that way. Tells you some things you don't want to hear. Exactly. You know? If those people that tell you those hard things, that's like one of the most important people you can have. I mean, I was the same way. I was the exact same way. I remember I was early twenties and I started working at boys and girls clubs and I was defensive. Every time I got critiqued, I was like, it's not my fault. And I, and I had someone say very similar to me and I'm like, Oh, it is all my fault. <laughs> it is. Uh, somebody's fault and <laughs> probably yours. <laughs> exactly, exactly. I said to everybody, the reputation you have, you probably created. <laughs> so, it's very true. So, yeah. Uh, so anyway, those are things. Yeah. So with back with the, the question before, what is the best compliment that you have received then? Uh, I think, uh, and I receive it often because I do so much kind of stuff like this and podcasts and I meet with college students every day online, talk to them, give them encouragement. And I tell them to forget what their parents want them to do and to do what they want to do. <laughs> and uh, so I love those. That's the kind of thing. I mean, I, I, once a week, somebody writes me and said, uh, I just want to call and congratulate you on your new Cockrell Academy because uh, the direction from you over your podcasts and books has changed my life. And I'm going like, whoa, good grief. Because people just, uh, if you haven't had a lot of exposure and experience, you don't know some of the things that I talk about. Because when I left Oklahoma, I'd never been anywhere. Today, I've been in, done business and worked and traveled to 45 countries. I know people from every country. And I know people from every religion and every color and sexual. I mean, none of that is, I said, everybody, every country, the mothers have babies and they love them. That's the, don't think about the governments. Chinese people are great. The Russian people are great. The people in India are great. Mm. Government, forget it. And most of the governments that are screwed up are run by men. You know, and the ones that are working well are run by women. <laughs> and, uh, I mean, so, you said it. You said it, Lee. <laughs> it's true. I had most of my team were women when I was at Disney because they get it done. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, I said the women are not working on the 10-year plan. They're getting it done today. <laughs> You know, today, on time, <laughs> and they're ethical and honest, and for the most part. And yeah. unfortunately, a lot of men are not. They are too ambitious for their own good, and uh, for, ambitious for the wrong reasons. Yeah. And uh, you can really hurt a lot of people with that. And uh, who wants to go down in history as uh, screwing up a bunch of people's lives? I mean, who has the right to really? Well,
I mean, and people have enough problems already. They don't need the boss that makes it worse. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. All right, yeah. Leap. So I want to say thank you so much for taking time to chat with me today. Um, I've really appreciated this. Um, I feel yeah. so honored. You are a phenomenal person, super inspiring. Um, if someone is listening and wants to purchase a book, get involved in your, um, any of your stuff, how do they go about doing that? All right now you can go to my website, leecockerell.com. And we also now have a cockerellacade.com is up and, uh, those two things. And by the way, the work you're doing, boys and girls clubs is fabulous. And we need more, you know, not enough people get involved in it. This is what this is boys and girls club is when the parents missed it. And there's somebody there to catch these kids and to teach them the right things and to make them feel safe. And, and, you know, I tell people boys and girls could, could be the first firewall, uh, you know, to catch these kids and parents, a lot of parents are not making it happen right because they got their own problems and, and uh, teachers in school and clubs like what you're doing are you can catch a kid early on and change the direction of their life. And uh, they've got problems most of us can't even imagine. Yeah, I mean, I can tell psychological story. problems that start. I tell everybody half the stuff in your brain is not even true, but yeah. it happens because you're little, you're mistreated, you're poor, you don't get enough nutrition, all of those things. And that's the and half the half the stuff your parents taught you is not true either. So don't discriminate and don't uh, <laughs> be a racist. <laughs> I love that. I love it. Thank you so much, Lee. Have a great day, and uh, we'll see you soon. All right, you take care. Thanks for listening to Keeping Tabs. If you like what you heard, make sure you subscribe to my YouTube, Spotify, or iTunes to listen to all the great interviews. Keeping Tabs is all about people, telling the story of some amazing people we have in our community and across the world. So make sure you subscribe, like, and follow along.